Welcome to The Haber Show. This week we have a very, very special guest coming to you from his daughter's tennis practice because that's the only time that I could get him away from his phone. ESPN's Adam Schefter. Of his 8 million followers on Twitter, how many know that he is a secret NBA superfan? I'm telling you, this guy knows his hoops before he gives me his unofficial NBA awards ballot and his title pick to the 2020 NBA Finals should we get there. He tells stories about how he fell in love with basketball, the 1989 Michigan Wolverines team that won it all, um, how he might be the best golf daily fantasy player in the world. I'm telling you, this is crazy what happened recently. Uh, and Shefty also details his fantasy football party at Jay-Z's house with Chris Paul. And the story about how Adam got into the NFL reporting is a nice lesson and career advice for people looking to work in sports. So let's just get to it. Without further ado, NBA superfan Adam Schefter. Let's welcome in our guest this week. Uh, I don't think there's a person on this planet who's more excited to see the NBA's results of zero positive tests than my guest today, Adam Schefter. What's going on, my man? Hi, Tom. Thanks for having me today. You're right. I love seeing that the NBA is basically about to return. I will say, though, that in its absence, I've gotten very much into DFS golf. I love that. And so golf has kind of filled my little fix here while the NBA and all these other sports have been on sabbatical. But now that the NBA is coming back, I am fired up about that. So who's your golfer? Who's your sleeper that you keep uh, betting on? Well, this past week, I had Abraham answer in my lineup, and he, he did not do me any favors. But I will say we had a very productive week, very productive <laughs> week. I'll say that. So people listening might not know that you are an absolute NBA junkie. You love the NBA and you have for years, but um, I don't know if people know the origin story behind this. It it seems like DFS kind of birthed this, this obsession. Well, DFS definitely did that. And basically what happened was just began playing on a whim. And I remember playing around the time of the Super Bowl while I was in another city. Um, And I remember getting home and the season being over, and my wife walked into the bedroom the first night, and she sees basketball's on and doesn't think anything of it. Walks into the room the second night, basketball on, doesn't think anything of it. Third night, she walks in. She looks at me like I started smoking cigarettes or something. Like, since when do you like basketball? I'm like, well, I've always liked basketball, but, I, but I've really gotten into it now. And, and I really think that um, fantasy basketball, we have a, a 10-person fantasy basketball league at ESPN. Um, that has really gotten my attention and interest and – also DFS. So the, the two of them, I just, I just love it. I mean, I love it. And I, I, I think I've seen that carry over to golf because again, ordinarily I would say I have no interest in watching golf. And, and the last couple of years I've played some DFS golf, just kind of fun on the weekend. And you make a $3 bet just to see how you do. Didn't do very well at first. And now, Oh boy, like now we're doing well. I do it with one of my buddies from work. We fill out rosters together. Just, it's, it's just a fun thing. But when Is that you a finish second place, yeah, one of my producers. When you finish second place in a tournament like we did last weekend, from seventeen thousand people, you feel pretty good about it. Wait, you finished what? Second place. Adam Schefter yeah. finished second place in a golf DFS league of tournament seven- this past weekend in the Memorial Tournament, and we were in first until the last hole when Norlander. I'm not even sure of his first name, but Norlander. <laughs> Uh, who's been very good. He's had like two or three top 10 finishes this year. He bogeyed the last hole. And 
the guy we were going against, against Keith Mitchell, birdied the last hole, which was the toughest hole in the course. And we flipped from first to second, and uh, so finished second in DFS golf. Yeah, it was a, uh, it was a, it was a tough, unfortunate turn there. But second place is second place. But what's your secret sauce? Wait a minute, I don't know if I can even ask that. I mean, you don't want to divulge that to the masses. What your secret well, sauce? Well, honestly, is. It, it's just it's the same thing as basketball. You just watch, you learn, you see who you like, you see who you don't like, you see who you trust, you see who you don't trust. You know, I, I, my wife actually is starting to get annoyed with golf now because we were barbecuing on Sunday night. She doesn't realize, you know, we're on the 18th hole and. It's all being decided. I'm about to win my first fancy DFS golf championship. And she's like, are those chicken burgers almost ready? The chicken sausage? You know, we got the hamburgers, cheeseburgers. What do we got here? And, uh, and I'm like, don't talk to me right now. Like, I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm you know, anyone who's played fancy knows that feeling. You know, their wife's after them to, to do something. And, and, and at that moment, as you know, there's nothing more important in the world than seeing your team finish up strong, right? Like, that's, that's all right. that matters. I, the, the, the chicken sausage and cheeseburgers could wait in my mind, but not in her mind. So what would have been the, the winnings there? Sizable. <laughs> oh, man. So you, you, uh, you've, you've transferred your love uh, for DFS temporarily, right? You're, yeah. you're going to come back to the NBA, right? Oh, 100%. No, no, no. I, no, I have a lineup filled out for the first night. I'm all ready to go. Like, I'm raring to go. Love it. And, and, and I'm sure that it will uh, – you know, recapture my love and attention. Um, but right now, like I am wrapped up in thinking who I'm putting in my 3M lineup for this weekend in Minneapolis. Oh man. So you were uh, a basketball fan your whole life. I guess you watched yeah. the, the Knicks growing up in Long Island. Um, you watched the Knicks and Bernard King was your guy, but yep. w- did you ever have a career going into basketball writing or playing or what, when did, when did you become the NFL guy? Well, you know, Tom, it's just sort of how it worked out. When I moved out to Colorado to be a newspaper reporter in 1990, honestly, I would, was hoping to be a baseball writer. And really, Colorado got a baseball team, and I applied for that job, and I didn't get it. And so I was forced to stick on the NFL beat. That was back in 1991, two, three, right around there, the early 1990s. And again, if they had said to me, okay, yeah, you, you get this baseball beat writing job, I, I would have done that. And I think today I might be Jeff Passing. You know, that, yeah. that, might be my, that might be my job. Um, I think at that point, the Nuggets had a great beat writer. There were two great beat writers for the two Denver papers, Dave Krieger and Mike Monroe. And so those guys were entrenched for a long period of time, and there really wasn't a spot open. But if there was not some Nuggets writer, I, I would have been thrilled to have covered those teams and to cover the Dikembe Mutombo finger wave in Seattle when they upset the Supersonics. And I remember in the first game of that series when the Sonics were a powerhouse that year, they blew out the Nuggets in the first game of, I think it was a seven-game series, blew them out. And uh, Art Thiel, Art Thiel, the great newspaper columnist for the Seattle Post-Intelligencer, his lead for the column the next day was next. And oh, that's no. how everybody felt that Seattle was going to blow out Denver, and then Denver came back and won. And again, if I think that if the Denver newspapers hadn't had such great beat writers at that point in time, I might have done basketball. I might have done baseball. If they, they said, wait, wait, honestly, I love sports. And I loved reporting, and it just kind of got married up. And it just so happened to be that it turned out to be football. That was not my plan. It was sort of an accidental happenstance, but it worked out fine. Now, I did some research, and it turns out I think you graduated from Michigan in 89. Yeah, that's correct. That, that was um, – I mean, honestly, you could that's- not dream up anything better because, I mean, 
I'll just say this. We were graduating in late April of 89, my friends and I, and Michigan lost its basketball coach, Bill Frieder, on the eve of the NCAA tournament. And Steve Fisher Steve takes Fisher, over. Steve, oh, you don't tell me. Steve Fisher took over. Um, <laughs> and we watched the first week, and they beat Alabama, Birmingham, and they beat somebody else I don't remember. Uh, maybe it was Xavier, if you, if you looked out. But it would be Xavier. And then the next weekend, they played in Lexington, Kentucky, and they played North Carolina on Friday night and Virginia on Sunday. And my friends and I drove down from Ann Arbor to Lexington, Kentucky. We got tickets for the game. They blew out both teams. It was unbelievable how they just crushed those teams. And we honestly, that weekend in Lexington was one of the greatest weekends of my life. And so we got back to school and we got online at the ticket office and bought a bunch of tickets to the Final Four sold extra tickets to finance our trip out there. Like, you know, you're college kids, you're a senior, like how are you going to yeah. afford to go to Seattle? And we each were able to buy like four tickets. We each sold, or we got two or three tickets, whatever it was, and uh, sold the extra one or two tickets, made a few hundred dollars, paid for the flight in the hotel, and flew out to Seattle to the Final Four, where on Saturday, Michigan played Illinois in a game where there were 32 lead changes, one of the great games in Final Four history. Yep. In my mind. And then Monday night, they beat Seton Hall in overtime. And then Neil Robinson made the free throws. And again, that was about two, three weeks before we graduated. And so it was just, I mean, who wouldn't want to win the NCAA basketball championship two weeks before they graduated, be at the games, be at the games for free, because basically you financed the trip in that regard, and have the greatest weekend of your life with your college buddies as one big send-off from your college days. Like that, I mean, it's just honestly, story. That Michigan team was loaded, Adam. Yeah. I can tell you, yeah, you don't have to tell me. I can tell you the exact team. Terry Mills, Glenn Rice, Loy Vaught, Mark Hughes, Ramil Robinson. Um, uh, who else was on that team? There were six but, NBA players. I think you've got five of them so far. Well, hold on, hold on. Sean Higgins. Yep, yep. So was that, is that That's so not Terry the Mills? six, but uh, yes. Oh, hold on. Loy Vaught. <laughs> Did I get Loy Vaught? I you already got, got him. Terry Mills, Loy Vaught, Ramil Robinson. There's Sean a guard Higgins. who came off the bench. Uh, Mike Griffin? No. Well, not the one I'm thinking of, or not the one I okay. have here. Mark, uh, Mike, Mike Griffin was on the team, for sure. Yeah. Oh, Mike Griffin was on the team, for sure. The, the initials are DC. Wow. Demetrius oh, Caleb? You know, I don't even remember if he was on that team, to be honest. And if he was on that team, he, he might have been a freshman who sat on the bench. You, you know who was on that team? <laughs> I do. Rob Palenka was on that team. Rob Palenka was also on the Fab Five team that people kind of knew. People uh, kind of knew that Rob Palenka, seeing his jersey up there and in all the highlights and the story and the documentaries. But what they don't know is that Rob Palenka was on this championship team uh, in '89. That you you attended, but I I was wondering, were you writing for the the school paper at that point? Did you cover that no, game, or were you just as a fan? I was there as a fan. I basically um, my senior year of college. Basically, it's kind of a weird deal, but when you got to be in your second semester, the newspaper kind of got rid of you because they were getting ready for the next people that were coming in. So I was done with my stint for the Michigan Daily in January of 1989, and that was the last time I really worked for the paper, and it worked out great. I heard a story that you, uh, you tried to be the basketball manager at some point at Michigan, and it didn't work. Well, basically, that's how I got into to newspapers when I got to school. And this is true, Tom. And it's, I think there's a lesson in here for a lot of people. And by the way, you did do your research and you're asking great questions. And I mean that. But 
Uh, I got to school as a freshman in September of 85, and I rushed to paternity. And there were like 50 guys going out for 10 spots, and I didn't get in. And I was very dejected. So I said, well, I, you know, I've always been the kind of guy that needed to be busy. Let me go down to the um, basketball office to see if they need somebody to pick up jock straps and hand out water bottles. And they didn't need anybody. And I said, well, let me go to the football office to see if they need somebody to pick up jock straps and hand out water bottles. And they didn't need anybody. And when the fraternity rejected me, the football team rejected me, the basketball team rejected me, I'm like, well, what can I do here? What can I do? Let me go to the student newspaper and try that. And I can tell you that I went to college in the fall of 1985 with zero intention, zero, of joining the Michigan student newspaper and starting a reporting career. But because nobody else would have me, that's just sort of where the clock hands stopped. Yeah. It's kind of a similar story with me at ESPN is like I tried, uh, I tried to get a finance job after college yeah. um, and there were no finance jobs to be had. So I was like, you know what, let's try this whole like sports analysis thing. So I went and threw my resume in at ESPN and started out as like a part-time temp agency guy uh, yeah. running the stats in the stats analysis department at ESPN and worked my way into writing and work my way into TV and doing um, NBA stuff. But at first I was a baseball guy, just like you. I was like, I would love to do, I would love to be the, the Peter Gammons or the, the yeah. past Jeff Passan or Rob Nyer. Like that was yeah, my, right. that was my wheelhouse. Yeah. You know, you know and, and it was funny cause I did, I spoke to Emmanuel Watch on my podcast yesterday and he was talking about how his training in high school in Dallas and his football career, in Texas and his NFL career, short-lived career and his time at ESPN trained him for these uncomfortable conversations with black men he's having. And he's like, it all came together. Like it all shit. And I'm like, I mean, we, we all have those stories that we all have them because the road you go down shapes you and molds you and leads you to a certain direction and trains you into be able to do certain things that you might not have ordinarily thought that you uh, could or would be able to do. And so um, I don't think it's accidental that, you know, he's doing that, that you're doing what you're doing, that I wound up in, in my field. But I really believe that if the football team back in September of 85 had given me a job as one of these guys, that I might have, you know, I might be an equipment manager today. I might be working, you know, in, in a front office today. I, I, don't, I might be around a football team in some capacity. I don't know what. But the interesting part to me was that there was a guy that was doing that job. There was a Michigan student by the name of Tom Luand. And Tom Luand went on to become president of the Detroit Lions. And so we were the same year at school. He was, he was the equipment manager at, for the Michigan football team that I couldn't be um, because he had the job. And, and look what happened to him. So, again, it's just it's the sliding doors of life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, I, I don't know if you were uh, in a meeting or this came from ESPN or this came from you, but how did you kind of talk about being an NBA reporter? Like a few years ago, you're yeah. sitting down to a contract extension or just in negotiations, you threw out, hey, you know what would be really cool? I know this is pie in the sky. Can I do some NBA sideline work? How did it go down? Yeah, well, what happened was I, I just signed a new contract and we didn't even discuss it. And at the end, um, my boss just said, and, and, and you know, I could like to cover an NBA game or two. And I'm like, oh my God, I would love that. And Again, as I said to people, I've done it the last three years. I only did one game this year before the pandemic. And those games, Tom, to me are my professional vacation. That's what they are. You show up like this year. I, was, I went to Indiana two weeks before the combine, uh, one of the last trips that I was able to make before this pandemic. And I covered a Pacers-Bucks game, and it happened to be the game that Giannis missed for the birth of his child, yeah. which I was greatly disappointed by. But it, it, it's, it's, it's 
such a great experience to do that. Like I've met a bunch of people in the Pacers organization that watch ESPN and follow football and, and they wanted to talk football with you. And it's just, it's just a different deal. Like in that job, people are excited to talk to you in my current job. People are like, Oh, it's this guy again. No. <laughs> no. And, and, and so no. it's just a welcome break. I'm, you know, it's just fun. Like I'm on the court there and I get a text from Zach Taylor, the Bengals coach. Well, he was at that game with his son. His son wanted to go see Giannis and they drove down from Cincinnati, which I didn't realize was about an hour and a half away. And he took his son to see him. So I went over and talked to Zach Taylor before. It's just, you know, just a great experience to be able to do some of these games. Like I said, it was a third year. I, I actually have gotten to do a couple of playoff games for the network. I did a jazz um, who they beat? The Jazz versus I'm trying to remember. It was someone in the Western Conference. It wasn't Houston. It wasn't Houston. Uh, no, it was not Houston. It was oh, Oklahoma City. Utah, okay, Oklahoma okay, City. OKC. Yeah. Yeah, I did a Utah OKC game in, in Salt Lake City. I That's did right. a Chicago Boston game in Chicago the year before. And um, and do players look at you like a celebrity? Like when you walk in there, you're super nervous, right? Do they come in? Like, oh, look, it's Adam Schefter. I see you on uh, ESPN. What are you doing here? Well, I, I, I'm not super nervous. For, and, and you know what? Some players don't care, and some players are interested in it. And, you know, <laughs> it, it's like anything else in life, right? And so, like, I remember walking into Cleveland doing a game in March, uh, a couple of marches ago. It's a Friday night game, Cleveland versus – don't remember, but I remember it was the first time that I ever got to do a, a Cavs game with LeBron. And I remember before the game, you know, talking with Kevin Love – who I've had a tremendous amount of respect for and know, you know, just from afar. And so, and he was aware of my work. So that, that whenever they are, whenever there's a player that knows you're, that's always fun. Like, cause I know these guys, like I watch them. And so to me, it's a lot of fun. Do any play, NBA players hit you up with NFL advice or fantasy advice? I, I, I have a, uh, uh, a regular corresponding communication with Chris Paul, uh, who's an avid fantasy football player. Yeah. He, he's one that, that, uh, that we've exchanged messages from. He's the only one who's actively sought advice, but I have had other correspondence with um, CJ McCollum, with I'm trying to think of others. There, there have been a couple of others. So, so uh, does Chris Paul, does he uh, credit you with a pick or like a draft pick or a trade idea or a player? I, I, and are I, you get, blame. I get blame. <laughs> I was going to say, or does he just blame you for when things go awry? No, no, you know, I, there was one year he took me to his fantasy draft with Jay-Z and that, that exclusive league. And I walked in and it was kind of fun. We, you know, we, I tried to help him pick his team, but the team I don't think did particularly well this year. So I wasn't invited back. Who else was in that room? Oh, it was, it was um, I, I think if I remember correctly, uh, I don't know why I think Leon Rose was there. Uh, I remember Jay-Z was there. Had you met Jay-Z before? I had not met Jay-Z before. We took a picture. In fact, me, Jay-Z and Matthew Berry, because Matthew Berry's with Jay-Z. And uh, when I posted the picture, I cropped Matthew Berry out of the picture. He was very annoyed with the fact that I did that. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break to hear about a podcast that should be in your rotation. I'm Mike Tirico, and this week on Sports Uncovered, the side of Bill Belichick you didn't know existed. He's actually very, very funny. And that would shock the people in New England. I remember one time that he was critiquing Asante Samuel's play about how we need to play more physical. The runner was running out on the video and he showed on the big screen. That's it, Asante. Hit him with a pillow. Okay, let's throw marshmallows at him the next time. Don't miss an episode. Tap the subscribe button right now to get automatic downloads. 
of Sports Uncovered for free. Now back to the conversation. Well, when you're when you're talking to NBA players, um, it seems like it's natural for you. You've done a bunch of sideline reporting work with the NFL side, so um, this isn't anything new. And you've said that Greg Popovich, you're not scared of him because you deal with Bill Belichick and you deal with NFL coaches. So, which interview would you like most in the NBA? Like, which uh, I would lo- I would love to do Pop. I would probably be a little bit nervous about it, but I really would love to to talk with Pop after a game. But is is he retiring after this year or not? Are you breaking news right now? No, I'm asking. I don't, I don't know. I'm asking. Do you know something, Adam? I'm, I'm, I'm asking, is, is, he, is, he, is he like, is, with that guy, you just think it's a year-to-year kind of thing, right? Like, yes. I just, I don't, so I, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. If he were back, I would love to do a Spurs game. Well, he's yeah. going to continue to coach Team USA this summer. If, if, the, yeah. uh, if everything goes smoothly and we get the Tokyo Olympics, he's got Team USA this summer. And I, as far as I know, he's, he's kind of like, if he wants to coach, he'll coach. He just walks in. Well, Tokyo's next summer, not this summer, next summer, right? Correct, correct. Yeah. Next summer. Um, yeah. So he, he's slated to do that. ESPN and has not asked me to do that, to my knowledge. Yes, yes. So my question to you is, do you want to just run through your hypothetical award ballot real quick for this sure. season? Sure, this, this week, NBA reporters have to file their, their, their votes, wow. their, their ballot. Wow. Early. And, early because they don't want the teams who are not invited to the bubble to have an unfair disadvantage. That's crazy. Isn't it? It's kind of, it's kind of weird. It's kind of, it's, it's just too early, but okay. We're going to, we're going we're gonna to cast the premature ballots for these awards and they are premature. All right. Let's start with the big one. MVP. Adam Schefter, who is your MVP of the 2019, 20 season? Do we do, do we go Giannis or do we go LeBron? I'm not going to tell you until I, I hear your answer. I'm going to go Giannis. Okay. Why? Just does everything. They're a great team. Um, impacts the game. Take them off the team and, and they wouldn't be the same. Take LeBron off the Lakers and they could win. Not the same. Um, but the fact that LeBron's in the conversation is a tribute to him. But I'm going to go Giannis. I'm going, going with Giannis with too. I'm going with Giannis okay. too. I think it's – I don't think it's very close. I mean, Giannis yeah. is on a tear. This yeah. season, the, the Bucks are going to be a 70-win season if the pandemic didn't happen. And just about every 70-win team in NBA history comes with an MVP. And the next best player is Chris Middleton. No knock on Chris Middleton. But I don't think he's an all-NBA player. And most teams that win 70 games, they have multiple, multiple all-NBA players. So Giannis is a freak. That's why I was bummed I missed him. So we had the same MVP vote. So that's good. So I got one right. Okay. Um, coach of the year. You know, in the NFL, it's same thing in the NBA where oftentimes the coach of the year is given to someone where you want yeah. to – a redo on that, on that preseason yeah, expectation. You, you know, what's interesting is that uh, I'd have to think back to March when the season ended and review the standings. Like, honestly, it, it's not all that fresh in my mind, all this stuff. So I guess the guy Were you that impressed I'm, by the, the Toronto Raptors and what they did last year. And then coming back this year, they're a number two seed in the it, Eastern yeah, conference. L- listen, uh, I'd have no problem giving Nick nurse, the vote for that for that award. I, I don't think that would be an issue at all. I'm just trying to think of somebody else that would be. Uh, I would say Kenny Atkins if he got fired. <laughs> <laughs> um, There's a lot of talk think. about um, Billy Donovan in OKC, where people thought they might be in the tank this I, year, and they're in the. Playoffs. I like Billy. I like Billy. They've done a great job. Uh, Doc Rivers has done a great job. Can't go wrong with him. I like him too. He's a classy guy. Eric Spolster um, in Miami. They're they're doing a great, great job, job this year. Yeah, um, we'll go. We'll, go uh, well, how about Mike Budenholzer? Hey, 
Mike Budenholzer is not a bad call. I mean, if your team right. is, is historically good, Mike Budenholzer's done a great job. You know, it'd be like Bill Belichick winning the award, right? Like, you know, coaching great player. But, I mean. Frank Vogel also getting love for what he's doing in his first-year head coach yeah. in, in L.A. I'm going to go uh, – I'm going to go – I'm going to go – I'm going to go Billy Donovan. Okay, Billy Donovan. I have Nick Nurse. Um, they do a really interesting thing on defense. They switch things up. They do a lot of yeah. different coverages. And you know as well as anybody, in the NBA, if you're able yeah. to get guys to play defense and different types of defenses on the fly, that's an yeah. incredible job. So, I, 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 listen, I can't argue with Nick Nurse. I mean, I really can't. I mean, that's uh, – they're – isn't that more Masai Ujiri than it is Nick Nurse? Well, Masai hired Nick Nurse, but Nick Nurse's def- his defensive principles are coming from, from him. Okay. Well, again, great organization. All right. Uh, sixth man of the year. I have Montrez Harrell in, in, for the Clippers. Yeah. No I, argument I'm for him. on that. Uh, the guy, that, guy's, that guy's awesome. He's really good. He's outstanding. I mean, I don't know how you go with anybody but him. I'm just trying – there's one other – Lou Williams is, is, is great. Same team? Sixth man. Adam, but, did, you uh, know that, did you know that the two top guys in minutes for the Clippers are both bench guys? Well, they're both really good players. Yeah. Right, really good players. And you can make the argument for Lou Williams, but I'm going to go Montrez Harrell. I'm right there with you. Okay, uh, defensive player of the year this year. Um, Rudy Gobert has had a little bit of a dip. He won last year. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo is in the discussion. Brooke Lopez is in the discussion. Uh, Anthony Davis is in the discussion. Who is the defensive player of the year, according to Adam Schefter? All right, I'm going to go Gobert. Uh, maybe a dip, and maybe people are angry at him with the way he behaved, and he probably is not going to get so many votes in that regard. But he still is a dominant defensive force, and so he he, he will get my ballot. Brook Lopez, that's interesting. You said Brook Lopez. They, they love the way he plays. So I remember their conversations, the pregame conversations about him defensively, how he impacts the game. He impacts the game a lot more than they thought he ever would blocks more shots than they thought he would. He's more of a force in the paint defensively than they ever imagined in Milwaukee. That, that's, a, that's a very knowledgeable choice by you, Tom, but I'm still going to go Rudy Gobert. And as someone who watched a, a lot of Nets games or maybe too many Nets games, you probably understand that Brook Lopez didn't have that kind of reputation early in his career. Correct. That's correct. So uh, we'll move on to most improved player in the NBA. Lots of folks are having Brandon Ingram in New Orleans. Some yeah. having Bam Adebayo in Miami. Um, any sort of most improved you are you of the opinion that a most improved player should come from a young guy who blossoms or do you think like a star could win a most improved well uh you know what both those guys uh both those guys have been dominant bam Adebayo, brandon ingram yeah i'm gonna go i'm gonna go bam Adebayo because he's been like he's been he's been to me i know jimmy butler is the man down there, but Bam Adebayo is like almost like the spiritual leader of that team. He's a dominant force. You know what really pissed me off because I love that guy and was going to draft him in the third round. And I wound up taking, I, I wound up taking Miles Turner um, mm. on the mm. turn. And, and I was going to reach for Adebayo there, which was way higher than anybody had him way higher. And I wanted to, and then I had the words of Paul Allen, the Vikings play by play voice in my mind where we compare, players we like and he's like miles turner will not get past my team and i'm like paul love this guy i love out of body you know what he but he loved this guy so i'm gonna go turn so I, I will publicly blame paul allen and he knows this for me taking miles turner over the guy that i wanted to take bam out of bio and so as a consolation prize to not taking bam i'm going to give him my comeback player of the year why do you think fantasy basketball hasn't taken off like fantasy football or baseball has that's a great question i you know 
maybe just the lack of exposure to it because as somebody who plays it, I think I love playing fancy basketball more than I love playing fancy football. Why is like, that? I lo- well, it's, it's every night. I love it. You know, I just and, – and so there, there are constant moves. You're, you're allowed seven roster moves a week. I am the, like the only guy in my league who uses up every move all the time. I'm probably too aggressive. You know, I'm always looking to make trades. I'm always looking to claim a guy on waivers. I'm watching every game to see who I could pick up and, you know, the last moment to kind of round out my roster. It, it just – you know what? It takes a lot of time and energy. I don't – maybe because it's like nine categories. Like that, that – at least that's my league, or eight or nine categories. And football is pretty simple. It's, it's, a, it's, it's points, right? Like I know there's point. I know there's catches that contributing yards that contribute and, and all those things. And you, all these guys add together. But basketball is a little convoluted. But I, I, I love fantasy basketball. So who, who, who is your like MVP on your team this year? Like who's the guy who just – Well, you know, Miles Turner um, disappointed me. I had, I had a pretty good team. I had um, – I had Damian Lillard, who was was a little off compared to the way he normally was. I had see, it's funny, like that team is my obsession, and I can't even tell you all the players. I, I know I said, I know I have Miles Turner, that I know because I know I was very disappointed um, with the way he played when I was going to take Bam there. I I, I kind of spaced it out because again we've been through so much as a country. There's so much going on in the world. I I I, I could probably look up my team. Let me see if it, if do you remember people. I. I remember walking onto the Sports Center set one time, and this is the story I told on Twitter. But you were asking me about at Nicole the time, Yoke. yeah, at the time it was this obscure Serbian like backup center, and you had done your homework and said, "What do you think about this guy?" Okay, okay before were, we get to that, here, here's my here's my team. Okay, yeah. so it was, now now it's come back. In the first round, I had the 11 and 12 pick, and I took and I, and I, and I couldn't believe it because I was um, so help me God, I'm telling you the truth. I was taking Luca and Trey. The two guys that were involved in the trade, and no, and, and Luca's ADP was 18. He was not a first round pick in most drafts. If you go back, no, so, and and Stefania Bell at number 11 took him right in front yeah. of me, and I was like, I, I couldn't really believe it. Like I was, really I was like floored. So I took Trey Young and Drew Holiday. I later traded Drew Holiday for Damian Lillard. Drew Holiday and somebody else for for. That's a savvy the, trade. Drew has yeah. not had a good year this year. Dame yeah. Dame's doing very well. Yeah, well, and then I also drafted um, – then it came back around the second and third round. Whoever I, whoever I took there, I took – I traded Drew Holiday in my second-round pick, whoever it was. I don't remember, for Damian Lillard. And then um, later on, let's see. Oh, then in the fourth and fifth, I took Miles Turner there with that guard. Then I took Mitchell Robinson and Malcolm Brogdon. Mm. Mitchell Robinson was – they didn't play him. They didn't play him enough. He didn't have great numbers this year. Was, Brogdon was excellent, but he got hurt. I later um, – I t- well, you know, I'm looking at the team now because there's a lot of guys that picked up on waivers. The guys that have on waivers, just so you know, Christian Wood, oh. Shake, Mil- Shake Milton, Marquise Chris, Ooh. Ty Warren, or TJ Warren. I mean, it's a pretty good team, Daniel Feast. Christian Wood. I Christian Wood is the Hassan yeah. Whiteside of the NBA where, like, out of nowhere, this guy puts up stats, Christian Wood. Yeah, he was and- unbelievable. He's doing well for you. He's going to get paid this summer. I wouldn't be surprised if the Knicks went after him. I know, I know you've got a long vendetta against the Knicks trying to get. Yeah, well, well, again, so my team on paper, like, is pretty – it just – it was one of these teams. I don't know why, Tom. It just never won. It just – like, I couldn't win. And, and it, was very, it was very frustrating. So, um, last year, I was in the finals and lost in the very last minute of the last game of the season when 
when uh, LeBron James missed a field goal that cost me the field goal percentage, which swung it 5-4 to Eddie Marlette in one of the greatest. They could have done a 30-for-30 on our championship. So it was unbelievable. And I lost the chance to repeat because I won the championship the year before. So when you go through the, the, the rosters, what are you looking at? What do you, what's the stat that, that Adam Schefter looks for, like value? You know what? You know what? It, Tom, it's, just, it's like golf. I watch it. And there are certain guys I just like. Like, mm. I watched Sam Burns a couple of weeks ago at the Memorial, the young golfer from L- And the guy was, I'm like, this guy, this guy is going to be on my DFS team soon. Like, I like Sam Burns. I don't know. There's, just an, little, it, little, there's an it factor that only Adam, Adam Schefter can find. There's an it factor. Bam Adebayo had the it factor, and I bypassed him. Malcolm Brogdon had the it factor for my fancy team, and I was glad I took him. Damian Lillard has the it factor. It was not as great to see. He was good. He was good, but he was not Dane. So, Luca had it. He was my guy. He was my guy, and then he wasn't. Trey Young, I took him. Had the it factor. All right. Long-term value in fantasy or on court? Luca or Zion? Luca. Luca. Yep. And I and I, I wouldn't even hesitate there. Zion is a transcendent talent. He's unlike anyone we've ever seen. But Luca, I like Luca. I, I can tell you this. I was talking to couple of NBA coaches before the draft and, and you could I'm just telling you I loved Luca I was praying I, I was praying that he slid to the Knicks the Knicks are always just out of a guy like you know just one pick away from Steph Curry one pick away from Luka Doncic like one pick away from Zion yeah one, yeah. one pick away it's John like, Murray yeah John Mar- another guy I wanted another guy I wanted did not want RJ Barrett N- nothing personal did not want him all right. Now, um, since I have you on, I have to ask you this. If LeBron James ever played in the NFL, first of all, do you think he'll ever play in the NFL? And no. two, would he be a wide receiver or a tight end? Tight end. I mean, he, he could play anything he wants, but he'd be, a, he'd be like Antonio Gates and Tony Gonzalez and all these guys, you know, that play tight end and uh, go play basketball and go play tight end. He'd be unbelievable. Have you ever talked to LeBron about playing the NFL? No, I've talked to LeBron the one that I covered him. And, uh, you know, when I saw him, I'll never forget. He, he looked at me and he goes, what, what are you doing here? You know, which, which is the reaction that you get from a lot of players. You know, that, that's the fun part about doing the job. And um, a chance to talk to me. It was, you know, three, four minute conversation brief. It happened to be the night that my son got into Michigan. I, I literally, I'll never forget it. Cause I spoke to LeBron for the first time ever. Um, he was coming out of the locker room from halftime. And then I walked out, my wife was texting me that my son got into Michigan. So it was like literally simultaneous. Friday night, March 28th, 2018, I believe. So you big on the Juwan Howard era? I like Juwan. I think he's a quality guy. I think he'll get it right. Uh, it, you know, the basketball program, John Beeline did a great job with it, and they needed somebody special, and I think Juwan Howard is that guy. Yeah, he's, uh, he comes from the Eric Spolster tree in Miami, yeah. and he's a phenomenal guy. So I think you're in good hands there at Michigan. Um, Last question, Adam Schefter is going to predict the NBA champion of this restart. God willing that everything goes well. The NBA season goes on. We get to the finals. Who is in the finals this year and who wins? Who prevails? Los Angeles is going to win the finals. Oh, that's a cop-out. That's a cop-out. <laughs> that's a cop I see what you're doing, Adam. You know what? Honestly, I think the Clippers are stacked and loaded. And I think it may be a Clippers time. Like, it would be so Clippers-like to win it in a bubble. You know, like. It, it just feels like Kawhi, Paul George, they've loaded up. They got some good players. But the Lakers are really good, too. I, 
one of those two teams, I think. Uh, but, you know, you're also talking about, and it's going to be the same thing with the NFL a year, circumstances that are so strange and so different and so unpredictable. So you may think that there's a favorite, and, and the chances are it could be somebody entirely different that you're not expecting. But at the NBA, it seems pretty crystal clear, right? Like those two L.A. teams are, are dominant. Milwaukee's great. Um, you know, Philadelphia could be very good. I'm, I'm big good. on Philadelphia. I'm high on – I think they're a great sleeper pick. If we're talking fantasy or, or gambling odds, like that, that, I'm taking those odds if I'm – By if the I'm way, in- and by the way, Brent Brown got smart. Putting Ben Simmons at power forward, he's going to leave Shake Milton in the start. Shake Milton's got to play. I'm just telling you, that guy's a stud on my fantasy team, the it factor. Like, that guy can play. <laughs> How did okay? you know that Shake Milton was good? I don't know, but I picked him up. I mean, I picked him up. It was like I'd seen him play in garbage time one time, and I'm like, oh, I, I kind of like that guy. And then that week, they lost both their guards. So I picked up – I think I picked up Alec Brooks and Milton. And after one or two games, I'm like, well, I, I could see who I'm going to be playing with. And I dropped Burks and stuck with Milton and – that was it. He can shoot. Like, that's the one thing Philly Great needs place. is a guard who can space the floor. And so, 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 Tom, to that point, if Milton comes on as that guy at guard and Ben Simmons at power forward and Harris and Embiid, like, a lot of good stuff going on there, right? There is. And yeah. they don't have to go, go deal with playing on the road. They were so awful, god awful on the road this year. There we go. And they got the home court advantage out of the way. You don't have to deal with that. Same thing with the Clippers. Like Clippers don't really have a home court advantage. Well, guess what? doesn't matter. Did, did, did we just peg the NBA champion, the, uh, the sleeper pick in the Philadelphia 76ers? It's possible. It's possible. Like if we want to talk about in this bubble, things are going to get crazy and there's a lot of variants and there's going to be a lot of weird games, a lot of weird mm-hmm. stuff happening. I could see the Philadelphia 76ers. And, and you know what? We're going to have that conversation is if the Sixers come out on top and win, the NBA championship, you know, people are gonna be like asterisk. Yeah, illegitimate. Great. I hate Tom. That. I appreciate having me. I hope it worked out. I hope I answered your questions. You brought up some great memories, and I appreciate that. Do you have a big story you got to break right now? No, but I'm texting. You know, listen. I, you know, you're on the phone for uh, 45 minutes, you and I'm backed day. up. Yeah. Hey, uh, Shefty, thank you so much. Um, I hope. I hope. Uh, Big Blue does well for you up in Michigan. And thanks for all the memories and the talk. I'm going to file in your ballot on behalf of, of yourself. Like, I'm going to see As if the NBA will allow it. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate you having me. Good luck to you. Pleasure to see you and talk to you again. Be well and stay safe. All right, you too. All right, that's a wrap with Adam Schefter. I would tell you to follow him, but you're probably already doing that. Who on this planet loves sports and does not follow Adam Schefter already? That was super fun. Um, if you haven't listened to it yet, Go check out my podcast recently uh, with Mark J. Spears of ESPN's The Undefeated talking about what it's like to be in the NBA bubble. And also check out my previous pod before that talking about the TBT bubble uh, with Sean Marshall from Team Challenge ALS. Really good insights about what sports reporters and athletes are going through in these unprecedented pandemic times. Uh, So stay safe out there. um, And I guess follow Adam Schefter if you don't already. You know where to find him. Until next time on The Haber Show.